Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the podcast. Part two, number two of the week, bonus content, extra content, and honestly, uh, a therapy session for the next several minutes for Rian um, over what can only be described as probably the most stat-inducing yet non-therapeutic way to watch soccer over the last 48 hours. So <laughs> we're here to talk about all of it. I think that's the only way that I can like muster a set of words or a phrasing of words to actually put together for this. But nonetheless, Rian, we're here. We're talking about the quarterfinals of the Champions League. Should I spoil? Should I spoil it for our listeners who went through? I think I think it's fair to say that uh, people are listening. See, to this yeah, week. yeah. No, I'd um, be really surprised if anyone. Uh, <laughs> I'd be surprised if anyone who's listening to this didn't know. You, so would I. So would I. But Manchester City, Villarreal, Real Madrid, and Liverpool. <laughs> the I don't know why I was so slow with that, but uh, <laughs> the four semifinalists that made it through. Some very, very notable names, along with one just incredible story that I cannot wait to tell. Rian, how you doing? How's your mental health? Let's let's do a health check after yesterday. How we doing? It's it's all good. I mean, it was fine. It was honestly fine even after the game. Honestly, I I really? couldn't have been. Yeah, yeah. It was. I I I think my heart rate was like. <laughs> was going crazy during the first 90 minutes uh and then and then i mean the goal once the goal scored in early at extra time even though there were a couple a few more chances for chelsea to score which again heart rate was just going up and down during that game but (laughs) but afterwards it was honestly fine it was it was a really good performance like like i I, it's disappointing because they because they did get in the point where they were leading it was that that was like the disappointment, but three nil, you know, mention. Yeah. Yeah. And, and honestly, like a deserved three nil on the, on the balance of how the game was going. Um, but, oh my God, like, what are you going to do? What are you going to do with at least the, I mean, the goal that, that took it to extra time, the Modric pass, like that's like I, I don't know how many better passes I can think of right now off the top of my head that I've seen recently, but I mean there the are technique... like a hundred messy passes, but like I'm not gonna take away anything from that pass. Yeah, yeah. I mean there, yeah, there, there are obviously some great passes, but technique, like just the outside of the foot, like unique passes, I guess is a better way to put it. For sure, more unique passes I can think of right now, but just uh, amazing. Like 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 that's that was that was always the the worry i think of playing real madrid is they can pull these moments out of out of thin air really and it just it just is the usual with uh knockouts with knockout play right you can play well and then it, if the other team just has match winners and i just think real madrid had a couple more match winners than than chelsea even though i think like team performance over the over the two legs i I think Chelsea edged them, but I don't know. I, even outside of all of that, that was one of the best games we've seen all season. So, yeah, so disappointed, sad, but like you know, I, I honestly couldn't have asked for a lot more in terms of the team's performance, and that's kind of where I am with it. 
definitely. Definitely. I mean, I kind of agree with you. Like, let's jump into it with, with Chelsea and Real Madrid. Like, I think there was a lot of pride that Chelsea could still have um, about playing the way they did. I, I'm going to challenge you a little bit, though, and I want to hear your thoughts on this. Like, is Chelsea leading at some point 3-0 in the second half and then eventually finding their way down or I mean still winning the game but down to three a three two lead is that not reminiscent of a a blown lead like I I don't know like I guess a lot of people are not focusing on the fact that Chelsea conceded two goals and they're just kind of awing at the magic that was Real Madrid for like again 30 minutes, which was a fantastic 30 minutes. Don't get me wrong, but it wasn't everything. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was moments. It was like every, everyone that's, oh, I mean, I feel like a lot of the talk about Real Madrid in the game is really just about those, really the, the Modric moment more than anything else. I, I don't think I'd be hard pressed to find someone who thinks that Real Madrid played better during that game. Uh, I, I think when when you kind of put yourself in the hole that Chelsea did going into that second leg, which is where I feel like a lot of the conversation should be about how, uh, if you're if you're talking about um, just overall what was most disappointing from Chelsea is just the first leg is getting getting kind of uh, I don't know a sucker punched more or less in the in the in the first five minutes of that second half not first five minutes oh my gosh first forty five seconds I think it was of the uh, second half you know that that's where the tie was lost it was lost in in that third goal that they conceded really and then this game the margins were extremely thin and it was it was two it was it was two but not two sorry one moment of like world-class quality where again the margin really thin uh and that was all Real Madrid needed was they just needed a lifeline in it and that's what Modric gave them with that I mean, I'll, I'll be thinking about that pass a lot for <laughs> for good and bad reasons, but but <laughs> just oh, definitely, uh, yeah, it, moments of quality, like I said. Yeah, you tweeted about that last night. Don't think I I did not see it or forget it. But I guess here's kind of my take outside of what I just mentioned in Chelsea conceding. This to me, like this game, just solidified the fact that I think Real Madrid are probably going to win the Champions League. I honestly hands down think that is the case and i know what you're about to say and i know you're gonna go on a rant about this um but this is their 11 no sorry their 10th champions league semifinal in 12 years that's not an anomaly right they've made it obviously to multiple finals i don't have to go over that because it would actually cause me physical pain but i have so little doubt that this is a team that envies and enjoys and soaks up all of the pressure that is on them when their back is against the wall. We saw it against PSG. We saw it again against Chelsea. We saw it time and time again. And to think that their next opponent in Manchester City, who we will get to in a second, especially in that second half against Atletico, decided just to crumble, in my opinion, I think that's going to play very well into Real Madrid's hands. Like I have, I have never actually been more convinced that Real Madrid are going to go on and make the Champions League. 
or win the Champions League. Go ahead. Go ahead. I'm ready. I mean, there's there's no there's no fact <laughs> behind any of it. There's no, there's no evidence no. outside of just feelings. So I'm not the the argument is just you know the city is a better team the uh real madrid have looked good for a total of maybe 60 minutes in four games totally <laughs> so i i 100 um, well, before you wait before you go any further you were the one who just mentioned and i agree with you you're the one who were mentioned who was mentioning moments right and big moments and stepping up in the into those moments i i can't i can't think of a team that is better than Real Madrid at that. Like that's, that's part of my evidence is that you're talking about a side that in 30 minutes over two legs can completely turn a tie on its head, like completely and suffocate you. I, I just don't, I, I don't want to ever bet against them. That's my, that's my evidence. I don't want to bet against them. It's it's difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Look now I'll, I'll echo that. I, I, would be really nervous to bet against them. So I agree with that. But, um, you, you know, I was, I was going to say, even, even with all of the, the facts <laughs> leading to people thinking that Man City will still get through, um, like you said, the moments, the just quality that, that means that they can still pull off a good, I mean, any one of their players can, do something special within like 10 to 15 seconds, even if they haven't been playing well for 45 minutes, like it, it doesn't, it, it doesn't really matter to them. And you think about like how they never really allow themselves to be totally out of it. Right. Uh, I mean, the last time that they, that they did get in that position, and I'm thinking like back to like, I, the, the loss to Ajax a few years ago. Right. But in these quarterfinals and round of 16 games, like they didn't let themselves be completely buried. Right. And I'm thinking about just in the um, second half of the, of the second leg for against Chelsea, when Chelsea go three up, I don't know if many people are going to remember this moment, but Chelsea have a corner, like a few minutes later and Havertz hits a great header to the corner and Courtois out of, I mean, out of nowhere saves the, like a crazy save on a corner. And then if you want to go back even to the um, first leg that the save he has against Espelicueta. Oh my God. I, yeah. I think it, it's even when as a team, they're, they're not outplaying the opponent, like a, um, on a whole, they still just have just a few match winners in, in different ways. And Courtois is a match winner in his, in his own way from a goalkeeping standpoint, like you're right, that those moments are still, can still be um, completely exploited by them, right? And that's the difference. I mean, that can be the difference. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was, again, I go back to thinking, I I said, it's like my third time saying this, but like, think about the top 20 players in the world and like between Chelsea and Madrid who might fall into that. Uh, Courtois and Benzema, certainly in that. But let me ask you this then from a Chelsea perspective, who are you most disappointed by? Um, over two legs and maybe even especially in, the, in that second leg because I feel like Kai Havertz has really grown into that striker position really really well like uh, that that position is his through the end of the season right I don't think anyone's really questioning that I feel like for me like I I was under impressed with 
how that midfield functioned. Um, maybe not necessarily the individual personnel. I thought Conte had a better performance in the second leg, definitely than the first. Um, but the the player that kind of just, I guess, surprised me or disappointed me the most was probably either Kovacic or Jorginho. Like knowing that mm, I, I don't, I don't know how you could say Kovacic was this. I don't, I don't know how I could say Kovacic either. But like, I'm I'm talking about over two legs. It over. Oh, he didn't. See, I mean, talking, he didn't play in the first leg until what the last, the second half, right? Yeah. I, let me ask the question then, because I'm doing too much speculation. Who who actually disappointed you the most? Uh, I, I, and I I hate being negative on this at all. I, the the most disappointing is maybe Mendy from the just just the first leg, the, like the, the third yeah. goal. The third goal is the third goal from the first leg is the most disappointing thing from the entire tie. Like that's again, that's where I, where I think the tie was lost. But yeah, um, I mean maybe. I don't know, maybe the, maybe selecting Andreas Christensen for the first leg. Like those are really the two, that's the biggest nitpick, I think, tactically. Uh, And yeah, I I know some people were upset that they, that Tuchel didn't make subs after Chelsea were three up, but almost for the exact same reason why they ended up going into extra time is why they probably needed another goal because any, any moment like a, a Modric <laughs> or Benzema could have done exactly what happened for the fourth goal. And um, it wasn't like Chelsea were not still creating chances after going up three. So it was the, the, yeah, the most, it, the most disappointing thing I think is, is the third goal from the first leg. And then, you know, that, that whole 45 minutes of Christensen really in the first leg as well. Um, yeah. That that's really that's led, fair. really led to the first, at least the first Real Madrid goal. Definitely. I, I think that's super valid. I guess I'm picking on like Conte a little bit too. Like I thought, I thought from a recovery standpoint in, in the second, like he was fantastic. I think from a distribution standpoint, yeah. not so much and credit and credit to Real Madrid, right. For that. I, I think they closed down really, really well. Um, but that's probably, probably my player. That Look, I, might- I agree with you. I agree with you on the, on the distribution side. Like it, that this is, I guess I've just kind of, this is the player, this is who he is. And it, and it's nonetheless frustrating. I, yeah. I, I'm with you because I watch it uh, two to three times a week. <laughs> so so I, I'm with you. Like it is frustrating. It's, it's frustrating um, and frustrating, maybe a little unlucky, but like frustrating, especially on that, on the Rodrigo goal, which, you know, credit to him for, for, finishing that as well i i don't think any of us would have expected yeah. his sub to actually make any to make <laughs> a real impact on the game but credit to him um but it was conte's pass that he was trying to chip and just didn't get enough under it and you know who, who knows how much of that's tired legs who knows how much of it is again it's just you you have to bake in that he's gonna make some weird pass. not weird <laughs> it wasn't a weird pass but he's not going to execute on his passes to the right. same level as um as Kovacic or or Jorginho and definitely that it was what was like frustrating that it was like he played the right idea of a ball but the execution just wasn't there and that right the next 10 seconds leads to a Real Madrid goal and and right and then you're right like in the first half or first leg as well I think I think he wasn't great and 
the thing is with him, like a bad game for him is still like a six out of 10 because he still still do <laughs> so much on the defensive end and um, yeah. in that sense. But it it is a limitation. Yeah, it, it's a limitation. And and um, and it, it's it's why I think he looks better when Kovacic plays. The team looks better, at least when Kovacic plays. Um, not necessarily over Conte, but at least with him, it's there's more going forward because when it is Jorginho and Conte, that the you're not going to get enough. I think going going forward, even if even if they will be good at hold, keeping possession and uh, you know just moving it quickly, but that's kind of that's kind of the the disappointment. Yeah, I, I can I can see being disappointed with Conte for, <laughs> for all that. To it was say. like paid. It was like painful for you to get that out, but I'm, yeah. I appreciate the honesty at the very least. So, <laughs> well, Rian semifinal is now Real Madrid versus Manchester City. Who do you think is going to walk away to the final from that tie? Um, it completely depends on whether Kyle Walker can play in I agree. legs. For me, that's the only that's I can't make a decision until I know what his status <laughs> is for both those legs. If he's playing, it then then Vinicius will have as tough a day as he did in the second leg against Chelsea there. I, I mean, obviously he got the winning assist, but outside of that, I think he was more or less shackled. For, for a lot of that game um walker will, would also be a really tough opponent for him so <laughs> i think if he can play then i feel pretty good about manchester city's chances but if he can't play at all and they're already going to miss cancelo in the first leg you know that that first leg's obviously first leg's <laughs> always really important but yeah but it's weird to say this like and and we'll talk about it more when we get to the city part but it's weird to say this but at some level they need to just make sure that they're that they are in a good spot going into the second leg Uh, i'll just say that i won't go as far as like damage limitation but they need to yeah the the first leg is going to be really key for them agreed agreed well ryan let's move on to the second game of tuesday uh, arguably my favorite game of the entire week. Uh, there were maybe more entertaining games, but personal favorite. Um, can we talk about Bayern Munich getting knocked out of the Champions League by a small town club in Spain called Villarreal, a town with 50,000 people that shouldn't, should barely even be on the radar as a professional club, let alone a European place club, let alone a top European club right now that's how special yesterday was to spanish football and the game finished 1-1 after of course several Bayern chances several missed chances but also a couple of villarreal chances that could have fallen and easily put the tie away early to, well questionably put the tie away but made it more difficult certainly um i <laughs> I don't even know what to say about them in some capacity. We're talking about a team that knocked out Juventus, knocked now is not now knocked out Bayern Munich, and is posed to face Liverpool, probably their biggest test, maybe up there with Bayern, definitely up there with Bayern. But you envied a Liverpool Bayern semifinal, and you're not going to get it. How do, so? No. Happy, sad. Um, 
sad, of course, for uh, the fact that, yeah, you're right, we're not getting that Liverpool barn. But, I mean, happy in the sense of Villarreal didn't just, like, bunker. and It wasn't quite, like, it wasn't a smash and grab over two legs, realistically. Like, they were really close to scoring twice and potentially even three times in the first leg. And then in this one, obviously, they had to weather it a lot because this was in Munich and Bayern, obviously, (laughs) at that point, are throwing everything forward. And they handled it. There were so many crosses from from Bayern in that game. So many crosses. And credit to um, Raul Abiol and uh, Pau Torres dealing with them, too. It was just, especially in that first half, Bayern were spamming crosses, like, a lot. Yeah. And uh, it was and 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 there were there weird. were good chances out of that. Like Thomas Muller, yeah, right. probably should have scored, right? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then obviously Bayern ends up getting their goal, and you, I mean, obviously the first thing you think in your head is that all right, now they go on and <laughs> and and uh, at least get the second goal, and it just never happened. And Villarreal held them really, really well. It, Bayern. I said this, I think, in the last couple of months where I said I was kind of cooling off on them um, when when thinking about them in terms of Champions League winners. You did, yeah. This was kind of the worry was was their defending side of it. And granted, they only conceded two goals over the two legs, right? But how many times did Villarreal go forward and it felt like they had a really good chance of scoring and they got forward very easily against definitely. Bayern. And can I, can I add one confident. thing like oh, yeah, go on. To, to that point too? The thing that surprised me the most over two legs was just how much space they found in behind Alfonso Davies. Like, I mean the second goal or the, I guess first goal for the rally uh, in the second leg, like the equalizing goal is a really good example. Of that. Like Chuck Weze came on and just sprinted for like what felt like 30 seconds and was in behind a perfect space like all that space in just on the flanks and the half channels was vacant and i think that's one of the biggest problems in how um nagelsman has actually set up set up this team is they are very exposed at the back i mean granted they score a ton of goals um so it kind of covers that but yeah i i kind of agree yeah and you you wonder you know these were Alfonso Davies' first games back from the myocarditis um, issue that he was having with his heart after getting COVID, in that I think the first leg was his first start back as well. And he, wonder how much of that is like he's just barely getting into game shape. He hasn't played for almost four months now. It, maybe it wasn't the best decision to have him start in both of these games, um, especially maybe the first one. You know, since again, you're talking about first major start and it's in a Champions League game, um, and, and first major start in four months. So, yeah, it, they play aggressively. And I said they play very similarly to Liverpool. The difference with Liverpool is at their best, their defenders, <laughs> I mean, at least their center backs are fantastic 1v1 defenders. And they play a really, really high line and they play it extremely coordinated when um, when it's their best back four. And that's kind of the difference between them and Bayern. Bayern at no point this season has looked 
secure at the back of it. That's, there's a reason that they've given up four goals, um, I think three different times this season, four goals at four plus goals, I should say. Um, there's a reason for that. They, they, they play, definitely. they play aggressively and, and they just don't quite have the defenders at the back to, um, to clean things up when they do get past their midfield. I would say Liverpool are probably also better at pressing in the midfield than, than Bayern. So it, yeah, there's just, yeah, you, you said it, not a lot of cover and, and very exposed. And that's kind of how they've been all season. I want to briefly touch on Villarreal one last time, because kind of the contrapositive, I guess, of what uh, Bayern did and ex- getting exposed, et cetera, I think Villarreal did, a, and Unai Emery deserves a lot of credit for this. I think he did a really good job of doing the complete opposite. Like one of the things that he talked about at the end of, I think, his post-match press conference in Villarreal is that he basically had to sacrifice like Chukweze, right? Who normally, you know, in and out of the team this season, due to injury, et cetera, but like will start for them. And, the, and he said the reason that that he essentially had to sacrifice him in the starting lineup um, for majority of the both ties is that when you allow Chukweze and our players who are fast, who are speedy, can get out wide on the wings, when you allow them to do that and they potentially lose the ball, that leaves a lot of vacant space behind. And Villarreal did a wonderful job of countering that this time around, putting Chukweze on in possibly the perfect moment, right? Later on in the game, when things become more open, Bayern might be chasing a goal. I'm just super proud to, to see... Uh, a team that no one really expected to get past Juve team. Definitely no one expected to get past Bayern um, into the semifinals. And listen, it's knockout champions league. Who knows what could happen with Liverpool? That's true. I mean, honestly, that is true. I, I just said that they play very similarly to Bayern and the difference yeah. is just the one V one defending, but that doesn't, that means that there's probably still going to be the same types of chances for Villarreal and it means that they're going to at least know how to create those chances and they won't be um, like the thing with Liverpool with playing against Liverpool is that when you do get into those positions, it's just that things have to be almost perfect. You have to be like really, really concentrated on holding your runs. Well, at the same time, making the right pass in, in a yeah. very short amount of time. And, Villarreal have now played a hundred, um, hundred eighty minutes against a team that defends very similarly. Even again, if they, if they don't do it quite to the same level, but they're gonna be at least ready to, for that kind of pressure when they have the ball. Hundred percent agree. Not gonna change a word you said. But look at that. Look at us. Who would have thought? Anyway, I don't think we expect them to get past Liverpool, but it should be said that we will be keenly keenly watching Rian, <clears throat> let's talk a little bit about today's games we're recording on a wednesday evening right now as we're kind of post-match thoughts for both of these guys i want to start with liverpool benfica for a second because it's a game that you put money on <laughs> and a game that you were personally and financially invested in um personally because of the financial of course <laughs> but um a little bit of a, I guess, mini heart attack towards the end. Is that fair to say, or all all calm? No. So, so my my tweet 
was talking about Liverpool for sure getting through this, like at least winning this tie, right? Uh, but a little thing that I did back in January when I was having my doubts about Bayern um, was hedge my Champions League winner bet. <laughs> and I put some money on Liverpool at that time at a much, much longer odds than they're at now and longer odds than Bayern were at the, when I put money on them. So I just need Liverpool to at least make the final to to at least give 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 my my bet a chance so that's why i was i was invested in them getting through that tie and when i didn't care about the game itself whatever the score would be just needed them to advance i was nervous when i saw the lineup because it was it was kind of disrespectful if i'm gonna be honest yeah seven changes from sunday um almost an entirely new team essentially which i can understand playing two back-to-back very intense games like we saw kevin de bruyne come off possibly due to injury against atletico like i get it um but yeah that was that was a bit shocking and yes they were up 3-1 um at some point yes they were never losing the game at any point but uh yeah a little disrespect i think that's fair to say (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Um, look, I like James Milner as much as the next guy. <laughs> and I'm a big fan. I'm a fan of Joe Gomez as well. But Joe Gomez at right back. And and um, Milner, Henderson, and, and Keita all starting in that game. Not the midfield three I was expecting at all. Um, no, I, hey, it worked out. It worked out for them. And, and they really were never in – never really – in much pressure i know that i know the game ends 3-3 but uh i think a lot of that's down to benfica actually executing a couple times against liverpool's high line and that's something that i think benfica will take not benfica uh villarreal will take a lot of encouragement from right so again there's that's the only way to beat liverpool and most teams can't execute cannot execute or have the pace to really hurt them it was pretty impressive from Benfica to be able to do oh, what yeah. they did at Anfield, right? And and props to Darwin Nunez as well. That the finish for the third goal, just crazy good finish. Like, it's yeah. so difficult. Like the way he has to open his hips while on the run and, and still perfectly places it into the, the side netting against one of the three best goalkeepers in the world. Um as really, a reminder, he is he is 22 years old. 22, <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. 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 He's he's a really impressive finisher. I granted he's playing Liverpool, so it's hard to get that many data points on what else he can do. But I'm I'm really I don't I don't know the player well enough. I don't know how much he can do. What else he can do off uh, in terms of uh, every other part of his game. But you know we're we're gonna at least see him in the World Cup. So we're gonna learn a lot about him pretty soon. Yeah, I. I'm very excited to see him play for Uruguay. Um, I guess the interesting thing about him specifically is just to put into perspective, he scored six Champions League goals for Benfica this season. And that is the most by a Benfica player in a single season in the entire competition. Um, I think the the last person is probably, probably on five might've been Nuno Gomez um, back in the nineties. I think that that's probably, that seems accurate, but anyway, um, 
yeah, Darwin Nunez is absolutely a player to watch out for. Um, he reminds me a little bit of Thierry Henry. I don't know why. I get that. I get that vibe. And there was an athletic article yesterday, uh, kind of about that. But um, just like food, food for thought. It was it was interesting. You know, they played his goal, the third goal. Um, you know, not we're not putting him on this level. That's we should disclaimer that not putting him on Thierry Henry's <laughs> level at all. Um, but no, it was interesting because he was started on the left um, for that goal, that third goal. He's, I think he played on the left for a lot of the second half, um, but he's coming in from the left there. And, and that's Terry Henry-esque for sure. And and uh, specifically like Terry Henry at Barcelona-esque starting on the left and, and coming inside for those exactly. goals. But um, no, it's, it's, I think his first goal, his goal in the uh, first leg as well, He's kind of running down, running through the left channel as well. So it's it's interesting. His runs are are through the channels and and from out to in, and that's I mean that's really interesting to to put into a team that if he moves to a club uh, another club this summer, um, put into a team that he's gonna get more chances at least in these games. I know he scored he scored a lot of goals this this season, but. Yeah, he's exciting. His, his his finishing is really good, and and that's always going to be in demand. Definitely, definitely, that's not going anywhere. So, I think thinking about Liverpool, we just talked about them in the context of the Villarreal tie, um, are still in a really good position to go through to the final. I do wonder, and I actually don't know this off the top of my head. I need to I need to look it up when the semifinal ties are. I'm very curious to see what games in the Premier League they they're surrounded by. Because I believe it'll be next week. I think we go straight no, back into it. No, there's no way. There's no. It would have to. It would have to be a, a. I think we go straight back into it. Are you kidding? We're we're figuring this out on the fly. It's the 27th. The 27th. So oh, okay, two weeks. It is, okay, got it. It's two got weeks. It. Yeah, that that just seems like crazy planning to me. <laughs> anything else? But um, I guess the, the interesting thing for me is Liverpool have City in the FA Cup. Right. Um, and then they have United right at, like directly afterwards. And then they have the Merseyside Derby, like lead, all leading up to that game. So with Villarreal. So I'm very curious now, what does Klopp do over the next three games? I would think he still plays a full strength lineup basically through like May <laughs> at, at the, like at the latest. Um, but I, I, I don't know how they're going to handle the, number of games i guess you'll see maybe a similar lineup like you did today against everton but beyond that i, I think it's going to be a very difficult stretch for them not to say it won't be for city but you know context. yeah yeah and i mean the thing is when we get to this point of the season and when you're one of those when you're one of the best clubs in the in europe um that's what you gotta just expect it they've, they've got to find a way to deal with it and look they're you said this before that this is the deepest the Liverpool squad that Klopp has had. So I, I feel um, confident that they'll be able to navigate it. I, I feel, I feel pretty good about that. Um, yeah. It, it, it'll be a tough game. I do think it'll be a tough game for them because you don't, Without get, a to doubt. The, you don't get to the semifinal of the Champions League. <laughs> and, for, for like on fun. Yeah. 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 So look, Villarreal going to be really tough. Unai Emery, an extremely good knockout manager. Um, like his record over the last seven, what, eight years is unbelievable. So 
I'm expecting a really good two legs um, with, with Liverpool. Oh, I'm so out. excited. I'm so like that game. I believe the, the second leg uh, for, for uh, what's called Liverpool Villarreal is uh, at Anfield, I believe. Uh, or no, the first leg is. I lied. I lied. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to the second leg at El Madrigal in Villarreal. So uh, that's an exciting tie. Rian, let's let's shift focus to the last tie. The the one that I think you and I probably disagree on the most, just in terms of stylistic uh, theology, if you want to call it that. Um, we're, of course, talking about Atletico Manchester City. <sighs> Atletico had a chance. Manchester City, obviously the better team over the tie. Let's talk about both ties. Let's talk about the, the context for the tie. What did you kind of take away? What were your talking points to take away from, from the tie itself? And especially that, that second leg, um, what did you kind of to learn, especially about Manchester City? About Manchester City, I... What did I learn? I, I don't think I learned a, a lot from them. I, I know that they're look the last what fifteen minutes of that of the second leg um, were chaotic and frantic, and they lost some control of the game for sure. Um, I, I think Letty played well in in the last like fifteen fifteen twenty minutes when they actually started getting a couple chances or getting at least half chances. So not a lot to learn from City, honestly. Um, I, I yeah, honestly, I didn't learn a lot. Didn't learn a lot from from City. I did, what, before we get to that, Letty, what did you kind of learn from City? I guess for me, like I go back to what we were talking about with Real Madrid earlier, and I guess I learned that really City are not a perfect team and i think that we have this idea in our heads that they are because they quite literally win so many games but even in the games that they win there are so many flaws in the team like truly so many flaws uh maybe i'm exaggerating the idea of so many but i think that the let me let me consolidate my thoughts and saying like the biggest flaw that i find that i don't see with the other teams in the champions league right now that are left is the idea of seeing a game completely through like i think that there are times and i think back to maybe it was their game against southampton i I forget who they were playing in the premier league where they had scored maybe three goals and there, there are just times where it felt like not that they would lose the game not that even even maybe they would draw the game but they would they could concede right on on the counter and just in these very fluke scenarios and i don't necessarily see that with the other teams in in the champions league right now um manchester city are arguably the best team in the world Uh, like i'm i'm trying to find faults in a a near perfection of a machine (laughs) but if there was one like yeah i feel like they're they're still vulnerable and may not necessarily have the fortitude to see a game completely out for 180 minutes. Um, those, those are my thoughts, at least mm. this is, I know we're going to disagree so heavily. I, on this, I, so. Yeah. I mean, I, again, this is, this feels like feelings again, more than, more than, it, it definitely more than any I'm not disagreeing with that <laughs> um, at all. I, more than any other team, you think that Manchester City can't see a game through more than any other team that's left in this competition. And you're including I, Real Madrid. 
<laughs> other other way around. Other way around. No, no, no. I I think that they're not more than any other team. I would say every other team is potentially better than them at that. Um, I think I think about real madrid in the context of i i listen i again know how much you i'm trying i'm trying i'm trying i know you are i'm trying to find it i know i know um i think back to like you mentioned real madrid for example right real madrid i feel like are capable of being dominated for whatever game that they are in regardless of if it's a multi-legged tie regardless of if it's a La Liga game, regardless if it's a Copa del Rey game, I've watched almost every one of their games this season. And even when you think they are out, they are not. They are not out of any game. I don't get that same sense with City at times that if there is pressure put on them, if they all of a sudden concede a goal, let's say to um, to Real Madrid, right? That you get this overwhelming dominant sense that, Oh, they can come back to, into this game at the snap of the finger. They they likely can, but I think that there have just there's just this aura around them from their last several Champions League knockouts that they may not be enough or they may not score that deciding moment um, or in that deciding moment. You like my vibes yeah. now? I, <laughs> I I I I get where you're coming from now. I I think. I think that's a separate point in terms of like you. Okay, fair. I think fair. that's I think that's a separate point. I know I I totally understand what you're saying. What you're saying there. Like, agreed that this city team, the way they create chances as better than anyone else, correct? But you wouldn't necessarily say that they finish chances any like better than anyone else. Like you wouldn't say that almost at all, right? Like there's still the chances that can come out of nothing for a team like Real Madrid, uh, for Liverpool at times with their attackers. It's different. It is different. Like, because City, when they score, it's, like, overwhelming. It feels it's almost usually overwhelming um, pressure that comes before it, right? It's not It's not always just out of nothing. There's not, there's not a lot of, like, those 30 a 30 yard screamer from 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 city um there isn't usually that just oh perfect ball that was played after city had not been playing well for like half an hour or something like that right but it's it's a different kind of it's a different uh worry with city right it's because in the past and what has made winning the champions league so difficult is just playing better than the other team doesn't really matter it when doesn't, it comes to it this, doesn't, right? No. And 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 more than any other team that's left, Manchester City can play so much better than the other team and still not win. That's my, but that's my right? point, right? Yeah, like, and that's and that's where, it, yeah, I agree. I totally agree with that. And I think every other team in the Champions League right now can do a better job of that. Um, I think back to their knockout against Leon. Great example, like. Obviously, they were the dominant side. They had their chances at the end too, right? To to make it theirs to go on to the semifinal. But they, it's like they crumbled in those those key moments. Like that's yeah. what I mean. In in, yeah. in a in a conference or in a competition that is defined by key moments, they do not step up to those to the plate. There, they make it this far in the competition. 
because they have such an incredibly talented team and such an incredibly talented manager. And that can get you so far. Real Madrid went and won La Decima off of the fact that they literally had moments. They were not the best team in the Champions League in many of those years. But again, that's what you need sometimes to, to win the Champions League. So that's my point. Completely we, agree. We've ranted about Comple- it. No, no, completely agree about that. that and, and yeah, completely agree about that. Um, back to the, to the Atletico side of this, though. Um, I said last week that you couldn't be surprised by the way that Atletico played in the first leg. And that was always going to be the way that Diego Simeone set the team up. And, um, and he would have been very fine with that, with that result. Right. Um, I think the thing that disappoints me about what we saw in the second half, especially, I know that you're talking about the second half of the second, second leg. half of the second leg. Sorry. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The second half, of the second leg. Um, where Atletico actually started pushing out and and look, they did it in the first leg as well, but like the second half, um, no, it's not the first leg, the first half of the second leg, I'm getting these terminologies mixed up, (laughs) but, um, the second half of the second leg where Atletico actually created the chances and, um, put city under some pressure and granted, you know, game state city are up by a goal so it's different if they were tied right like city's not potentially um dropping as deep as they did at times in the second half but it just kind of leaves me disappointed in the fact that this isn't like binary like you you don't have to just like with with Simeone when it comes to the Champions League at least it feels like it's binary like it's either we're sitting all the way back and we're um only caring about filling gaps and and not allowing the other team to play through us. And in the second leg, you see them actually throw some a couple bodies, a couple more bodies forward. And Yana Carrasco didn't even start this game. So it was pretty much the same team as, as the week before. And it, it's, it's just not an excuse that he couldn't have played this way. Um, now, look, they would have lent themselves to, to more chances uh, given up in the uh, first legs for sure if they played this way but and I, th- I still think there's a middle ground here somewhere and, yeah. and I think I think that I always point to like Antonio Conte when you look at like the middle ground of that the team that plays very deep looks for counters but there's obviously rehearsed almost rehearsed uh movement when they do counter and bodies do go forward so it, totally it's it's it's, it's kind of disappointing that Atletico didn't at least try to press sure that city back line more, especially in a game. I mean, the first leg, it's, it's, it's actually even, it's actually making me more upset now because Kyle Walker didn't play in the first leg. So there's yeah, even, yeah, yeah. there's even more of a, of an opportunity to do um, the counterattacking. So that, that's, Which, that's I mean, me. you mentioned this too, kind of before you were or right before you went into to that, like, City or Atletico did try and counterattack at times in the first leg. Like they, they very clearly did try it like to use Jao Felix and Griezmann kind of through the half spaces and then out wide Lodi and Lorente, right. Kind of overlapping um, both of those players, but city just 
drop back in a, such a ferocity that I don't think Atletico could keep up with. And then on the flip side, Jao Felix and Griezmann had to turn around and start sprinting the other way, like within 10 second spans. It was like that for a majority of the first half or first leg. I think what changed in the second leg was largely the switch that Simeone seems to have over this team that says, Oh, okay. We're down one nil. Um, we need to, we need to do something about this. And I think a lot of people kind of woke up and said, Oh, so Atletico could have done this the whole time. No, 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 no. They could have done this the whole time. No one said that they couldn't, but they actively chose not to because the risk of potentially doing that in the first leg and nullifying the validity of the second leg was way too high. I think for Simeone and I get that you, you're saying that it, it is not binary and I kind of agree with you. Like that style of play and that conceptualization of basically the gegenpress, like it, it shouldn't be binary. I think Simeone will always consider it that way. Like he very much coached this team over two legs the same way he would have played as a player. <laughs> and there's no, there's no one that can really change his mindset in that sense. I do think that, Atletico probably should have scored in that second half at some point. Like they had four or five very clear cut chances. Ederson making one or two brilliant saves too along the way. But good block from John Stones as well. On one yeah, a wonderful block from John John Stones. And like I, I think this was Simeone's plan all the all along. Get to a point where they as a team feel comfortable enough to say, okay, we're gonna kind of like roll the dice and and risk it all um because beyond that there's nothing left to play for and i'm not gonna lie like it i thought i really did play like it i thought atletico did a wonderful job in the second leg um i I was i would honestly have not been surprised if they scored a goal and went on to extra time and won in, in some capacity like that's where the momentum was by the end of that second um second leg so i mean listen credit to city because they went into a very hostile environment. They also did their absolute best in that first half to, to try and get something out of that, um, that leg, but they're, they've got a, a much bigger test, I think ahead of them with Real Madrid, not because I think Real Madrid are such a wonderfully better team than Atletico. I just think that Real Madrid, like I said, are more privy to those big moments. Um, I'm very, I'm very curious of all the ties like in the Champions League this season. This is probably the one that interests me the most, um, both in terms of narrative, but mainly from just like a tactical perspective. Um, and yeah, I, I still very much favor Real Madrid to go through, as you know. So <laughs> very much favor. That's yes. amazing to me. <laughs> but but okay, I look look. We already talked about it. It City, as we said, they can play great, and it just some it just doesn't matter really. So. Fair. There, there's yeah. no better team to take advantage of that than uh, <laughs> the team that seemingly plays like poo poo for 60 yeah. minutes. And then, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. No, no. I think overall, I guess, I guess all we have left to talk about uh, from that game is the last 15, the last 10 <laughs> minutes of um, yeah. just of extra time. <laughs> of extra time. Yeah. We, we could have gone 30 minutes, honestly. I was, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Um, the shenanigans from Felipe in the first place, like making a great tackle. And then for whatever reason, kicking Phil Foden afterwards, which just, 
as as we ended up seeing, it got him sent off and just made things extremely more difficult for his teammates to get back into the tie. Um, <laughs> from from that to Savage trying to literally haul Phil Foden off the pitch after I think it was him in the first half that like elbowed him in the back of the head within yeah. like the first five minutes of the game. It's it was it was fantastic. Everyone was getting in on it too, which was great. That the even after the game, even after even, oh yeah, the done. scenes after the game, um, the video I think it's like forty seconds of both teams in the tunnel, and I think someone I can't remember which player. It might have been like for uh, I'm gonna mispronounce his name, Rishoko. Rosalico. Rosalico. Um, I think he like threw a, either a water bottle or a shoe at one of yeah Man City's coaches. It looked like so it, it was just crazy scenes um after the game and to be expected to be expected especially when you saw what happened in the last 10 minutes of the game it was totally expected that they would carry that into the tunnel so uh it it was kind of amazing to watch it was the most entertainment i feel like over those two legs that we saw so it was good that we got at some point this is exactly what I probably would have expected, regardless of how the tie went by <laughs> by the end of it. Like it was that just freaking entertaining. I I I do I almost feel bad for Atletico because like I said, I think they should have gotten a goal. Um, but I will say pure, pure entertainment see them absolutely lashing out the way that they did. I'm a big Spanish football fan, as everyone knows, but just to see the aggression on Atletico was, it was almost heartwarming. I was like, ah, oh, they're, they're back to them true selves. Um, I saw a funny tweet earlier. That was, <laughs> that was like um, something along the lines of how, um, you know, men are too emotional in the, uh, in football, which I thought was hysterical, but anyway, Rian, Atletico out. Um, they only have basically top three to fight for in La Liga at this point. Um, not much else. I think they're going to go through some big changes this summer. Oh, I, I'm, I'm interested to see what, what kind of changes you're talking about there, but <laughs> well, uh, we'll see. Well, listen, here's, I'll, I'll say this right now. We will see if Simeone is there in August. We will see. All right. Okay. Uh, it's interesting. I mean, look, I'm sure he has no reason to try to leave considering he's the highest paid coach in, <laughs> in Europe. Oh, Amazingly. I don't disagree with, I don't disagree. But, with you. but, but no, no, I look, I'm, I kind of reading, trying to read the tea leaves as well. I we'll see, we'll see. I I wouldn't be surprised to see him go. I'll say that, but to where, who knows what that would mean. But I think from there, at least that's pretty much it. That that's basically to. it. Yeah, all the uh, Champions League action was ten out of ten. So I'm not going to complain about it at all. Um, we will of course be back after this weekend's games. We have FA Cup games in England. We have big La Liga matchup with Sevilla, uh, Real Madrid this weekend. Um, God, what else is going on in the world? That I think is pretty much the majority of things. Um, yeah, we'll see. We'll talk to you guys sometime early next week. And meantime, enjoy. Thanks, guys.